Hello and welcome back to X Rental, the show that transports you back to the 90s, kicking and screaming. Today we're joined by a very special guest. This man happens to be creator, host, producer of arguably the largest and best horror podcast in the entire world. It's Michael Munter. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's only the best, Brad, because you're on it regularly. You know, that's why. Listen, you've been farming me for content for years. It's time for <laughs> me to get a little go on those others, baby. I know. I love it. I love having the roles reversed. Thank you for having me. I know how the turntables turn. Mm. Um, this is a bizarre show that Ash has concocted that we're kind of feeling out as we're going. So you're um, the first guest we've ever recorded with. So I'm very sorry for the trial by fire that you're about to engage with <laughs> that's quite all right i'm ready ash do you want to ask him some questions about video rental stores yeah i mean let's just kick it off straight away with the origin what was your video shop origin what was it called where was it oh we had a little local video shop to us i came in a little i came from a little town called hive on the on the coast and uh we had a little video shop called world of video and it was that's amazing I was, yeah, it, it does was it what it says on the tin. Right? Oh, it's like it was, a quintessential video shop name. Oh, it was so good. And uh, I, I remember even as a teenager, do you remember when you're in like year 10 or 11 and you have to do like work experience and you get sent somewhere, depending on what you want to do for a career. And I remember I had loads of friends that went off and did like, you know, like important stuff. They, they went and did stuff in like hospitals or in schools and this kind of thing. I went and did my work experience in the world of video um, shop around oh, the corner yeah. from me <laughs> uh which was this the absolute dream so i spent two weeks just working in there uh where i was just like rewinding videotapes stacking shelves uh and they let me take a free rental home with me every night after each shift it was amazing so yeah i loved it i spent a lot of time a lot of my youth in that video shop and when would you when would you say you started renting independently oh probably when i was a young teenager 12 or 13 but i got into horror young i'm obviously yeah. a huge horror fan and i got into horror young and i i had older sisters who would escort me to the shop and i would pick what i wanted hand it to them and they would go up to the counter and rent it for me so uh yeah i i i, I usually i needed a lot of other people to rent stuff for me because i wasn't old enough i didn't realize that you and me had both we both got the same video shop origin story oh, i really? did i did my work experience at mm. blockbuster video there you go. And I remember and I remember my parents saying to me, they were like, is this really good work experience for you? Are you really going to have a career in like, what, watching films? <clears throat> ah, yes, mother. Look who's yes, laughing now. <laughs> Vindication! <laughs> what's that, what, what's that, that, that joke that was going around? There's nothing like winning an argument 20 years later. Yeah. Like the ultimate right. satisfying. And what feast for the senses have you decided to... Uh, bring to us to bring forth from the 90s well i i love 90s films this was a really this was really difficult to narrow it down but um one of my favorite filmmakers is david lynch and i chose his most quintessential 90s movie which is uh, lost highway from 1997 released in the uk in august 1997 the same month saw the debut of south park the founding of netflix which ultimately killed our beloved video shops and uh, The Prodigy and Oasis dominated the album charts with their third albums and also the untimely death of Princess Diana, who also lost something on the highway, her head. Mike, what made you pick Lost Highway? 
I, like I said, I'm a massive, massive David Lynch fan. And uh, I always quite enjoy talking about these movies with people, particularly something like Lost Highway, because it's such a weird, quite divisive film. People tend to have strong feelings about it one way or the other. Also, it's such a weird, slightly impenetrable film as well. And so I always just like hearing what people make of it and what people, you know, if people understood it and what they think is really going on. I, I generally think his movies are always fun to discuss. So I thought this is a good one to pick. I, I agree. I mean, I had, this was actually one of the only David Lynch films I hadn't seen mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, but before I go on all about that, Brad... <laughs> Yeah, it's probably better to give the sugar before the sour comes through, right? <laughs> it's not going to be sour. Yeah, okay. Um, I was very happy that you picked this, Michael. As a matter of fact, this was the first film that I ushered in 2023 with was Lost Highway. I was, I was trying to kind of embolden that within my year, the kind of sort of like kinetic and bizarre dystopia and, and, and madness uh, and hoping that it would imprint on my life. But obviously things have come, you know, I'm, I'm quite safe now, you know, I've got this boring house and I'm not <laughs> having people hover video cameras over my head. I did, I did want to commend you on using or picking a film that actually has VHSs as a central conceit of the film. Yeah. Right. You did, you did like a, you did a double, you, you double bluffed us there and got us both, you know, got two things sorted for one. Absolutely. Uh, I loved the film before anything else happens i think it's a great choice i think it's a great shout it's the first of his la trilogy they went on and did mulholland drive and inland empire um i was doing a bit more reading up on it today because i've never really tried to unpick the sort of the the mythos of lost highway but i did see that he was quite influenced by oj simpson yes yes that's right yeah that kind of obviously the man murdering his wife the car chase you know all of that kind of stuff it, uh, it definitely feels like because all of David Lynch's other stuff up until this point, Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet and even Wild at Hearts to an extent, they have this kind of like nostalgic vibe, like they could be set in the 1950s or, you know, they're kind of noirish and classic. Whereas this movie, like I said, is so 90s. There's something about it, like the the soundtrack, the VHS-y kind of story, the, uh, the OJ uh, Simpson subtext, like it, it's just so rooted in its time, I think. I think it can be summed up by it being the most nightly thing with two words. Bill Pullman. Yep. He also pretty, Bill Pullman. He was pretty Indeed. 90s. Pretty 90s, yeah. I'm not a big David Lynch fan. I've now can officially say I'm a David Lynch completist. So that's <laughs> that's you know tick. Um, but I think what this film and well actually it's funny you do say it's the LA trilogy. Uh what this film Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire really highlight is it's just sometimes you just have to bury your hands up and say it's not for me and that's yep. totally fine because there's this one especially I felt it highlighted a lot of the things that make me completely bounce off of Lynch but mm -hmm. what the realisation I kind of came to is like these are the things that everyone loves about Lynch so this is a me problem <laughs> This is very much a me problem. This is because, yeah, this is you. Yeah, because, and I think what it is 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 he has a way of which is to me it almost seems anti-film, in the sense of the acting is not good in any of his films, <laughs> but it's but it's very apparently a choice, with the exception of Bill Pullman, <laughs> who I just genuinely think is a is always a a really schlocky, not great actor. And I felt he was the absolute perfect lead for this. But then when you see people like Rosanna Arquette, uh, Richard Pryor was a really, really lovely surprise. 
um, even though you could see he was towards the end. Um, but there's all, all these decisions as the way he, he lingers on shots a couple of beats longer where it throws the rhythm out a little bit. But instead of me thinking, but that was when I came to the realization that these were all, they're all choices. This isn't incompetence. This is all very much part of his aim to throw you off those beats, to to, to, to unsettle. And yeah. whilst I can't drive with it and I can't get over that hump to become a fan, the film really made me appreciate a lot more what he's going for. And there is that punk attitude behind it of, well, this is what, we're told we're supposed to do to make a film. So let me just fuck with them by two inches to the left or two inches yeah. to the right. You know, but not... but it, it's only a couple of inches to the left. Exactly. Right? Not like, enough I... to be a farce. Right. And and also not enough to feel completely alienating. Like I wouldn't yeah. say I'm a huge fan of like real out there art house cinema. Like, it, you know, I've got to have some kind of narrative and sense yeah. of character and genre to latch onto for the most part. And David Lynch's films are so close to feeling like normal, regular narrative films, at least at the beginning. And then they just kind of like veer off. And yeah. I love that feeling. And I think you're right. Like I get, I totally get that David Lynch isn't for everyone. Like there are some of my favorite movies where I'd be like, if you don't like this, you're just wrong. <laughs> but like there <laughs> yeah. is with David Lynch, I'm like, no, no, I get it. I get why people wouldn't, um, wouldn't, enjoy sitting through a David Lynch film but you're right I think every decision that gets made in this film the, the the kind of stilted dialogue at the beginning reminds me of The Shining and the way that Stanley Kubrick directed his actors in that like weird stilted dialogue like shots that last just a little bit longer than what might feel natural uh kind of jarring sound design and the, you know all of that kind of thing just for me adds to this real feeling of unease like I'm fucking terrified from the moment this film begins basically like you just feel like something awful is just around the corner at any moment from the very beginning you know which I I kind of love that feeling yeah well, that's... I mean when you look at the sorry Brad, uh, when you look at like the trailers for Lost Highways I thought let me just remind myself what I'm getting into so I watched the trailers and it they're all cut in the same like Jade the last seduction the early 90s neo-noir revival they're yeah. all cut in the same way so that, yeah. that, that, I, that's kind of what I really appreciated about it. it was like here's this thing that you're really familiar with mm. yeah definitely so, it's um, definitely I'm... using tropes of the kind of 90s erotic thriller as well yeah. and it kind of feels of a piece with all those other 90s movies with their kind of cool soundtracks it, like a kind of Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson even like the, I don't know they, they all have that kind of vibe very much situated in that kind of mid 90s vibe you know yeah and mm. it, it, even with even with the soundtrack, because to me the soundtrack's the highlight. That's what that's how I've always always known Lost Highway is because the goth at my college gave me the soundtrack years ago, and he was like, "Look, you like Nine Inch Nails? Listen to that." As a result, Perfect Drug's probably one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs. You've also got the Bo uh, the the Bowie songs. You've got the Marilyn Manson songs. You've got I Smashing Pumpkins, which I think is a great deep cut from their catalog. Again, he's picked, he's not picked obscure artists. He's picked, especially at this point in 1997, these people, these artists are huge. Yeah. But they're huge in their own lane. And that's seemed to very much jive with what he seemed to be doing with this film. And even then, the, the, the songs, with the exception of probably The Perfect Drug, the Bowie song doesn't really sound that much like a Bowie song. Uh, Smashing Pumpkin's yeah. Eye is very muted for them. I, I, I just refuse to believe that, that that was all coincidence at this point, <laughs> having yeah. finished the film. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Brad. 
Well, I was. You, you've taken us down a different highway now. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to have to try and form a U-turn. Lay by, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to perform. I'm going to have to get off, stop at Little Chef, quick pancake, and then I'm back to talking about uh, Lynch's ability uh, to make things uncanny and mm. how uncanny things uh, seem to worm their way under your skin. And I also wanted Mike to speak a little bit about The Mystery Man, played by Robert Brake. Mm. And... Uh, your thoughts and feelings on who he is, what he is, what he represents. Oh God, it's so hard. This, this is going to really lead me down a wormhole of what I think this film is sort of about. But I, I, I would say that, uh, cause p- people have different opinions on the mystery man, right? That incredible moment when he comes up to him in the party and he says, like, I'm in your house right now. And there's that amazing phone call. And that's when, you know, all of a sudden this film is not rooted in any kind of reality. Either something is going on in Fred, in Fred's head or there is something genuinely supernatural going on. You don't really know which which one at this point. You don't really know by the end, actually. But I kind of think that a lot of the film is taking place in Bill Pullman's character's head. There's that line when he says, I like to remember things how I remember them, not necessarily as they happened. As they were, and, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like that is... David Lynch always loves to leave clues in the first act of his films. And I, I feel like that's quite a big clue. I feel like it's the story of this guy who murders his wife for having an affair... And the kind of first and last act are kind of what really happened. Like maybe he went to a motel and found her having sex with this Dick Laurent guy or, you know, and then got chased by the police, maybe got sentenced to death. And then everything that happens in that middle section is like his kind of distorted memory of what really happened. And he kind of re-envisioned himself as this younger, more good looking guy. Uh, He kind of like recast almost his wife as this blonde femme fatale. And uh, and kind of, you know, like reimagined everything. So that's kind of how I imagine it, like in in a way, a kind of distorted memory, uh, you know, of what really happened to this guy. But um, in terms of the mystery man, I feel like he maybe is his kind of like weird sort of subconscious or the person in his head that is kind of reminding him of what really happened. This guy with a video camera. Um, I don't know. I don't know. How do you how do you see it, Brad? Well, I, th- I think you're, you're, you're definitely on something there because it does feel like although um, the mystery man is so at odds with what's going on in the world he is always pulling you back to the task at hand or or, or what's going on he's he's kind of an anchor that sort of brings him back to reality Mm -hmm. but in doing so he is so weird bringing him back to normality yes it's such a a, like it's so so at odds at itself that it feels he feels so inherently wrong in the world that we're inhabiting but he's actually Mm -hmm. trying to bring them back to reality Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. The man with the video camera who is going to show you what really happened rather than what this mad guy is imagining happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I've only watched it once. So I pretty, and and hands up, I was like, I went in with the thing of everyone says this is one of the most impenetrable David Lynch films, which is is a bit like Mm. saying. Here's one of the bitterest coffees. <laughs> it kind <laughs> of is. It's it's not as bad as if you've seen Inland Empire. I think that's yeah, see, that much, one. That's much yeah. harder to get through. I think than this. Yeah, but I think yeah. that I kind of went in with that approach of let me just let me just let let, let me let it take me. I'm yep. not going to try and figure it out as I go along because I know on a first viewing that's not going to happen. Mm. Smarter people than me have tried. <laughs> yeah and and i think it's like an unsolvable puzzle like i don't think yeah. you can ever completely get it or solve it um that is part of what makes it kind of a frustrating watch but also like very rewatchable for me at yeah. least yeah yeah 
Yeah. I kept getting thrown by Balthazar Getty because it, it, his the way his his makeup, his costuming was really, really reminded me of Justin Timberlake in Southland Tales. <laughs> and yes. I mean Southland uncanny. Tales, I think I think Southland Tales was go I mean, obviously like Donnie Darko too. Richard Kelly goes for a David Lynch vibe yeah. in his films for sure. Yeah. And you yeah, like yeah. those, don't you? What I liked, I liked Donny Darko, and I, I, I respect Southland Tales. I wouldn't say if I, I 100% like <laughs> a lot of chutzpah. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I appreciate. I <laughs> took appreciate a swing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you must have at least liked that scene. Did you like that scene when um, Mr. Eddie runs that guy off the road and has a, and beats oh, yeah. the shit out of him for tailgating him? Yeah. Like that is a very fun, kind of satisfying but quite disturbing scene, right? My highlight was just watching all of these great character actors just keep popping up. Yeah, Gary Boosie. Yeah, uh, the Gary Boosie couple is what I was referring to him <laughs> as for, for yeah. myself mentally. Uh, whilst watching it, it's, it's such a, a bizarre film, but it allows these opportunities to just bring in mm-hmm. faces that you've seen in so much popular entertainment, yeah, and then again, just distort them that little bit where you're like, hang on a minute, mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't. Like as I said with, with Richard Pryor, for example, this is not Richard Pryor's lane. He's, I'm good. That, I'm not deliberately making highway puns here. <laughs> it, 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 it makes it makes it makes logical sense for you. To it say works. That. It yeah. works. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a myth. There's a myth about this film as well. I don't know if it's true, but there's a story that when the film was released somewhere in America, it got screened. And the projector mixed up the reels and played the third act before the second act, and that people kind of actually enjoyed it more that way around. It, because it plays like, better again, that way. Yeah, one of those films that you can basically play, you know, several of the scenes in whatever order you like. You know, it is definitely one of those films. Yeah, but as you say, like to anyone who hasn't watched this film, it's not impenetrable. It is. It's you're not going to be watching it and spending the whole time going. It's not primer. No. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. it, yeah. There is. It's got its own internal logic that is actually quite easy to pick up on yeah. whilst watching it. It's just if you're if you're trying to w- watch the film in the same way that you would say Murder on the Orient Express, like oh who did it? What's it? It's not. It just mm. doesn't play out in that way. It's not that film. Yeah, um, you, you could take it as very, very face value, right? That it's yeah. a guy who murders his wife and then just supernaturally transforms into someone else. And like, like you know, you don't have to think any more into it than that if you don't want to, I guess, you know? And, and I guess with with, the, with it running through so many TV shows at the moment, my brain at one point went to time travel. I was like, is that? And yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, could it have been? I think there's it definitely like... something, the, the chronology is being messed with, definitely. There is something yeah. to do with time in this, I would say. Especially because you get that loop around at the end where he buzzes on his own house and says yeah. Nick Laurent is dead, which is how the film opens, obviously, with him hearing that message. So there is some sort of time loop or something going on. What would you say your your highlight, your, hi- your favourite scene, your favourite moment? What's the one that, if I said to you Lost Highway, it pops into your head immediately? I think... Uh, well, go on, Brad, go on. No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just pre-guessing what you're going to say, which is definitely going to be the dinner pie scene, surely. Or the pie scene. The pie scene, yeah. The, the mystery man scene for me is definitely... Although I do also think of those really 90s, like, video, music video aesthetics at the end of, like, Marilyn Manson and the weird porn shoot and all of the weird, like, sex stuff happening in the motel at the end as well with, like, Ramstein. I, I kind of think of that as well when I think of Lost Highway, like, those kind of images. What what is it about Lynch for you, that, um, Mike, that really 
encapsulates like sort of mm. interests you because everyone knows anyone that's ever listened to you do any of your podcasts at any available opportunity regardless of what we're talking about you will always find a way to bring David Lynch back <laughs> yeah. into the conversation yeah I am one of those really boring film fans that will bring up David Lynch I'm like the equivalent of that guy that pulls out a guitar at a party I will pull out David Lynch <laughs> at a party Here's or Wonderwall. a conversation yeah <laughs> <Here's Blue Velvet. laughs> um, yeah I don't know like and, and I think that's what it is like is that I it's there's just something about the vibe of David Lynch that really really gets me I love this kind of like everything looks great on the surface but something really evil is bubbling just underneath that that kind of blue velvet thing of like white picket fences and everyone's smiling and everyone's happy and then oh shit there's some really seedy stuff going on behind closed there's curtains like I love Philippines. yeah I love the kind of simplicity of it uh same as obviously like Twin Peaks that same idea of like this small little friendly middle American town is actually harboring all these secrets I love the way he tells a story he kind of invites you in to kind of like peek behind the curtain at kind of like some of the sort of dark underbelly of, of what's really going on in America I suppose and uh yeah and and again like as a horror fan he's just really good at creating scares like unconventional ones but things that really tap into me in a kind of nightmarish way so whether it's the mystery man on the phone or it's bob in twin peaks kind of crouching down in the corner of a room or uh the the homeless person behind the diner in maholland drive like these proper kind of jump scare or nightmarish moments they always scare the shit out of me as well. Like an episode eight of Twin Peaks, The Return. And like all of those things that are just like, they feel like they've been dredged up from my nightmares. Basically. Your subconscious. So, yeah, I love it. And I love that you can't quite explain it, but you still have a kind of emotional, visceral reaction to it. That's that's what gets me with David Lynch. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Brad? Are you a fan of Lynch, Brad? You are, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the things we agree on. There's not yeah. many. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm a big Lynch fan. And I do think there's something quite... I, I feel like with Lynch films and Lynch TV shows, it feels almost collaborative. Like he's he's mm. kind of like jazzing, like riff jazzing with the, his audience. And I feel like I'm, you know, a percussionist or a, a, a sax player playing along with this kind of disjointed melody that he's kind of trying to make into this bigger a bigger thing and i'm part of that in some way yeah yeah and my engagement with it and my even me, me trying to understand his media is in what in in a way me playing along with his tune yeah i love that that's such a good way to put it because also like he he is quite off the cuff in what he does again like famously that character of bob from twin peaks right was just some set dresser that he accidentally caught in the background of a shot and then was like wait a minute wait a minute like and then kind of cast him yeah <laughs> and, like there was this other story he has about the red room sequence that famous red room and he said that he was like walking back to his car in a car park and he put his hand on the roof of a car and the car was red and the roof was hot and then all of a sudden he had this vision of this red room in his brain and like I think things just kind of come to him and whether or not they make complete narrative sense he knows kind of what works cinematically I think and and kind of put stuff in that he kind of feels right about um which I love yeah it's great it doesn't always make the most sense but it's great <laughs> It's great fun. So, Michael, I just want to once again thank you so much for coming on here and giving us uh, your time and uh, your sanity because I, I love imagine- it. I love you, it. Any opportunity to speak about Lynch, you're there. Come on, any any chance to come and, and also, talk at people about Lynch, I'm up, I'm up for it. Yeah, we were desperately in need of some intelligence as well. So I mean, it's 
Jump duck. You what? can imagine what it's just when it's just the two of us, what the fuck yeah. goes on. <laughs> I say the words cut that more than I ever expected to say anything. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I, I cannot wait to watch these videos when they're when they're out there. I'm very excited for it. Thank you no so pressure. much for having me. Yeah. Shitting myself now. Brilliant. No yeah. pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Professional video editor for the BBC. Yeah, yeah that's no, right. He's oh, gonna be looking joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, inside just, cinema. You know, that's this right. Guy. I've 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 made a video essay about David Lynch uh, that's on the BBC. Just FYI, plug. So there you go. Oh, yeah, um, well, speaking it. of plugs, <laughs> yes, there you go. I'm not going to say what you say because everyone rips off the way that you say your what little you guest sign off. <laughs> oh. So I'm not going to say that. All I'm right, going to say, Michael, good. what what are your social media profiles? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Movie Mike. I'm also you can find my podcast, The Evolution of Horror. I'm on all the socials under that. That's usually the one that I communicate from most of the time. So find me uh, on all the socials, Evolution of Horror. And have you got anything you want to plug, promote? We've got lots of stuff going on. So you can find the podcast, obviously, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we do events now, screenings, that kind of thing. Uh, if you're listening to this later on in the year, in the summer, we've got stuff coming up in October. Obviously, October is the time to go and watch some good classic horror movies with an audience in the cinema so we're going to be hosting special evolution of horror present screenings in manchester liverpool we're going to be at Grimfest in october as well newcastle oh. edinburgh york uh, and we're screening some really fun films everything from like don't look now for its 50th anniversary so the kind of highbrow stuff all the way through to child's play for its 25th anniversary as well or 35th anniversary i think i can't remember now but yeah yeah it's 25 i'd take it all day long i'm like yeah i know yeah, get it on I the know. list <laughs> get it on the list yeah it's true no we just screened bride of chucky and that was its 25th anniversary that's what it is that was that's where you've got so, confused anyway um but yeah so um you can find details of all of our events and screenings and that kind of thing on our website evolutionofhorror.com forward slash events forward slash events exactly <laughs> everyone go check out the evolution of horror i'm sure you already do if you're probably watching this episode it's probably because you listen to evolution of horror i would <laughs> i would assume and if you're not mum listen to evolution of horror yeah yeah yes. come on come on mums <laughs> come and check come and check us out <laughs> all right until next time tip your friendly vhs man and we will catch you next week for another Hopefully, good episode of Excellent oh. Video Show. Do you know what I mean? This is what I